Wow, this is a really great turnout for an optional session. It's so nice of you. Oh yeah, all about me. <laughs> okay, I wanted to um, just elaborate on why I had Joan Crombie brag about my book. <laughs> One of the things when I was thinking, you know, that book was such a God thing because I tried to write it for 10 years and it was a bust. So let me just tell you, it was awful. And so when I finally wrote it, I knew it was a Lord. But one of the things I had in mind when I was writing it is small groups. And I really had that in my heart's vision is that this could be used in small groups. And right now, we're a part of a church. It's not even an NRP church. It's a big church in our area, and our small group is using it. And it's, it's just been really good. It's, people have really poured out their hearts and opened themselves up. So it, it works good in that format. So that's kind of why I wanted her to share about that. Okay. So you can put that first picture up, nice and big up there. All right. <clears throat> now, so here's the bottom line. If you want to be a good leader, you really got to train hard. Look at those people. Look at their muscles. Look at, look at the strength on those people. Okay, what's it say there? Watch out, world. This could be America's 2010 Olympic Five. So let's have two of them. Just stand up for a minute. Turn around so everybody can see you. <laughs> I told you, I'm making them sit up front so I can pick on them. This is Darlene and Lynn, <clears throat> members of the famous Dream Team. And they are now serving uh, Paula Allen wonderfully. And they have been a joy in my life. I can't even begin to tell you what a joy they've been. I, I might say some things to just like funny things about them and pick on them, but you know, they're still an amazing joy. So I just want to make this, I mean, I was thinking, I, I really wish this could be informal. We could just pop up and have questions, but it would probably take too long. But maybe if you have a question, write them down, because I'm hoping we get time for questions at the end. But I just want to talk about what it means to be a leader. You know, I've been working at figuring this out for a long time. <laughs> just learning more and more as time goes on. But, um, the title says, what does it mean to be a leader in your local church? But these principles apply to every area of our life. So the foundational understanding I have is Luke twenty-two twenty-six. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and a leader should be like a servant. So, you know, that, that's first and foremost. <clears throat> Leadership is not about a role, a position, a title, a place of honor. It's about being a servant. Okay, so I'm going to start on stories already. Because when I was formulating, you know, I, I've worked with several teams, not just the Dream Team. I worked with youth teams and other teams as well. But when we first started formulating this team, you know, I had a group of initially 22. And at one point in time, one of the ladies came in the church, came out to Lynn and said, oh, my goodness. This is after we had been a team for a little while. She said, you're in the Hall of Fame and Lynn said, what do you mean the Hall of Fame? It's the Hall of Pain. <laughs> because there was a lot going on and a lot required. And so you have to be, have the heart of a servant. And I, I wanted to make this point because this is critical. And we've heard a lot about this this morning. Our home is our resume. 
and how it goes in your home, how it goes in the, in the church and in your leadership. And I, I personally believe your leadership within the body of Christ is only as strong as your, your character and your integrity in your home. Right, Carol? That woman right there will tell you all about that. But our leadership abilities are proven in our homes. It's our character starts there, our leadership starts there, and strong relationships start there. Some of my best friends are my children. And Natalie is 100% a kindred spirit of mine. She's my second oldest daughter. And I'm very close to all my kids and have worked hard at that. And like Natalie Paladin, I've made a lot of errors along the way, but I've pressed in and worked hard because that is primary to me. My relationship with Keith is primary to me. Again, made a lot of errors, but never stop trying, never stop going after it because that, I believe, is the foundation. And I have this quote. I have a picture of it. It's actually hanging in. That's okay. We can go beyond that. Go to the next one. This is hanging in my nursery in my house. I, have my, I call my house the, the grandchildren paradise because it's basically dedicated to my grandchildren. Am I right, Natalie? <laughs> I actually have one room that is a nursery. And above it, it's a quote from Mother Teresa. And it says, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. And that's really, you know, a foundation for what I believe is important in life as you start with your family. So... I'm talking about a model and a privilege of helping others, not a position, not, oh, if I just do the right thing or if I get in good here or there, I'll eventually be a leader. No, we're striving to serve, and we want to serve others. We want to have a role of influence in helping others. Like Michelle was talking about today, what was the exact terminology, Mary, remember, be the one, be the one, be that certain person that influences others. That's our heart's desire, Right to influence people around us in our sphere. Um, Again, I have been learning, and I know that I'm leading well when the people around me are strengthened, encouraged, empowered, safe, and loved well by my life. That's how I know if I'm succeeding as a leader. And that takes a lot of time, a lot of patience. I'm a big, firm believer in building equity with people, I don't believe it's appropriate to come into someone's life and just assume a role of leadership. Number one, you want people to buy into that. You don't want to say, hey, here I am, I'm your leader. You know, I'm in charge. You build equity with people. You share your life. You prove yourself to them. You show what you're made out of. You show who Jesus is in you. And then, then you have an opportunity to help them and to come alongside them and lead them in a servant way. Um, Like I said, I've poured into a lot of different venues, and ultimately, what I have found is, is I have poured myself, my heart, what God has shown me into others. They, in turn, then, have helped set the DNA for the entire organization, church, whatever, that I've been a part of. And I'm just telling you, if ever the world needs some DNA setters within the body of Christ, it's now. We need to be the people that stand out so differently from what they come from. We were just even talking a little bit about our table, at our table at lunch. Excuse me, how out in the world and and just like what goes on out there is so chaotic and so dog-eat-dog that when they come into the church, there should be a place of peace and a refuge. Like, I want my life to be a refuge, but I want my church to be a refuge, too. 
and you should have heard all the bragging going on about this church at our table about the DNA in this church and how the women that came here even several years ago have come and felt so safe and um, so loved and like experiencing life on a whole new level because they're embraced and they know they're not going to be gossiped about and they know that this is a safe place. And that's our job. So I wanted to share some of the principles that have helped me along the way. And I, one uh, book I studied that really helped me was called The Mentor Leader by uh, Tony Dungy. Anybody know who he is? He was the coach from the Indianapolis, right? And he said, Convention, conventional wisdom says that leaders are born. But I don't believe that's true. From what I've seen, positive, life-changing leadership is an acquired trait. Learned from interaction with others who know how to lead and lead well. Leadership is not an innate, mystical gift. Rather, it is a learned ability to influence the attitudes and behaviors of others. As such, we can all learn and then teach others how to understand and apply the principles of successful leadership. Last year, our conference was themed uh, the privilege of influence. And I personally believe that we are to be the influencers in this world. And my objective in my process and even in building teams throughout the years were to take people who may or may not have thought they had amazing leadership skills, but to say, yeah, you can really learn to be a leader. You can really learn to have the heart and the characteristic and, and the mindset and the integrity to lead others and the boldness to lead others well. And that's what we're going after as we're raising up leaders, influencers, influencers that spread the heart and the character of God in, to everyone they touch. That's what leadership looks like to me. Um, one of Keith and our foundational verses from the time, I believe, from the time we started um, the church that Rick and Natalie Paladin, now pastor, Bridge City Church, was 2 Timothy 2.2. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust these to faithful men and women who will be able to teach others also. I am of the belief that Leadership doesn't necessarily just naturally happen within a, a church. That there, is, there are times and seasons and periods of entrusting things to people and training and teaching. Like the DNA that's in this church didn't just happen. And in, in many of your churches, it didn't just happen. It's because somebody taught it. Somebody modeled it. Someone explained it. Someone said these are the qualifications. These are the requirements of what it looks like to, to be a leader. And so what it says here in Timothy, it says, entrust these to faithful men and women who will do likewise. God's put in an investment in you. He's done something rich in you, something deep. He's worked hard on you. He's taught you hard lessons. And he wants you to share those with other people. He wants you to impart those to other He wants you to be a pillar, a strength immovable, unshakable, someone that people can count on, they can trust, they trust you got their back, they trust your integrity, they trust your character, they trust your heart. Um, when he says here, entrust these to faithful men and women who will be able to teach others, that word means to impart or instill, now listen to this, to infuse slowly or gradually into the minds or, or feelings to put in drop by drop. So in my thinking, 
if you really want to mentor people and you want to influence and you want to be a leader in people's life, that doesn't happen from a distance. It doesn't happen when you see them and give them just a hug on Sunday and say, hey, good to see you. How are you? you enjoy the sermon? Good. I'm glad it was good. Glad you liked it. There is a um, purposeful initiation of pouring into that person's life. It is achieved through f- in families, in friendships, in discipleship, in teams, in small groups. There's a purposeful going after that thing where you are looking to infuse drop by drop into someone else the things that God has taught you. Those qualities, those abilities to relate to others, those abilities to see God, those abilities to walk in faith. It comes up close and personal. So we need to find out, like in our local church, what does that look like? How do I fit into that flow of being able to influence others? I need to find that out. What's the best role? What's the best way that I can come alongside the leaders in my church to be a DNA distributor, so to speak? How do I be one of those people that is entrusting things? Leadership stems from a place of humility, responsibility, and accountability. And one thing I like to say to people that, you know, God showed me, there comes a time in our Christian walk where we go from being the prodigal son, where we're always like running like in desperate need of, oh, I messed up again, God, I need help, I need help, help me, to where we become the father. The one that's running out to meet the needy ones. The one that is looking to help, like always looking to help someone, always looking to give what you have. Not just coming to Sunday church on Sunday morning saying, oh, I really need to hear a message. And you probably do. And you should really partake of that. But also looking around saying, who can I encourage today? Who can I be the father in that prodigal son story to? Who can, whose life can I touch and encourage today? And again, I mean, I'll always be the prodigal son. I'll always be the one that's saying, God, I need you. I'm desperate. I have issues. I have brokenness in my life. I'll never stop being that person. I live desperate. I live desperate every day of my life, and I'm okay with that. I don't mind being desperate. I'm good with it. And um, most people that know me know, I know I don't have the goods, but I know who does. And I know how to get, stay under his wing. I know how to go there and just like hide under the wing and the shelter of the Lord. And I know he, he's, he doesn't turn me away. He's good with me. He's like, all right, Pen, yeah, you need some help there. But I still want to be that father, too. I want to be that one that goes and embraces someone. And, and um, who told a story today about somebody chasing him down with affection or something that I can't remember who it was? Was that Michelle? Yeah, I've done that a few times with people. There was one lady in our church, Dawn Ham, who hated affection. And so... Every time I would see her in church, I'd like run for her. And she would literally run away from me. She'd go, help, help. And then she was a real funny lady, very, very funny. And she, one day she goes to some of those guys, I'm filing a sexual assault charge against her. <laughs> she will not leave me alone. <laughs> but ultimately now she works with um, trafficked women. And she's an incredibly affectionate, warm... I mean, she always did have a heart as big as the moon, you know, but, but she's learned to just even be more <laughs> demonstrative in those areas. <laughs> so, you know, 
We want to be those embracing people that are not afraid of others. If we're afraid of people and we're all intimidated and we're, we're got issues, we need to get on past that. And I'll tell you what, tonight I'm really believing for an impartation. I'm going to talk about loving yourself. And I'm really believing God to help me communicate that well because I, I think he wants to infuse something in people. He doesn't want us to be, have a wrong mindset about ourselves that cripples us and keeps us from being that father there. He doesn't want us to be confused about how he sees us and who we really are so that we can like in great, I love what they say in this church, who love fearlessly. Just love fearlessly. So I have a video, one of, one of our dream team members who was on that picture, Karen Mateo, she has some health issues. She actually suffered a stroke about, how many years ago is that? Six, seven, maybe. She's an amazing individual, awesome and she actually taught at one of these conferences a few years ago about what it means to be a team member extraordinaire. And she has been, as have they. But I asked her just to share for four minutes, just from her perspective, and then I'm going to break down the things that she's sharing after she, she does that. So we're going to play Karen's video. My name is Karen Mateo, and I'm a long-time <laughs> disciple of Tuesdays. I'm currently serving under the delightful Paula Allen Living Hope Church. I've been asked to share a little bit of what I've learned about being a leader. <laughs> if you know Benny, you know that she's big on acronyms. Me, not so much, but I have one for her. If you're going to serve your leader, you want to be a tree. How's that? A tree. T-R-E-E. T, you want to be teachable. You know, we all have giftings and uh, things that we're really good at, but nobody knows it all. And it's important for us to be willing to be instructed, to be stretched a little bit, and certainly to be corrected. It's not always comfortable, but you need to be that way. Okay, T, R, you need to be real. Now, what do I mean by real? You need to be willing to take that mask off, the one that we put up in front of everybody else. It's important to let yourself just be honest with your group, your fellow team. Allow them to minister to you. That's where growth takes place. Don't confuse transparency and vulnerability with weakness. You need to be real, okay? E, our first E is you need to be established. Guys, I think God's heart must surely break from all the professed Christians who don't have a problem walking away from covenantal relationships. I don't understand how they can do it, but I've seen it happen many, many times, and I know that it's, it's a heartbreak for, for everyone involved. The church is full of imperfect people, and when you have a church of imperfect people, you're bound to be disappointed. It's going to happen. So you need to decide up front What's your response going to be when that happens? Because it will. You need to determine what is your commitment level? Mm -hmm. What do you feel about covenantal relationships? You need to be willing, if you're in covenant, to be restored. You need to forgive and to be forgiven. In the body of Christ, we're all different. And the foot doesn't say to the hand, I'm walking away. They don't, it, doesn't, it doesn't happen. So when, when do you leave? When do you leave a church that you're not happy with? Quotes, happy with. Well, for me, until God tells me and my church releases me, 
I'm not going anywhere. Very good point. And you might want to consider that being your position too. Okay, our next D is equipped. All of our churches present us with opportunities. Opportunities to, um, for Bible studies, for group studies, for lessons, teachings, encounters. Take advantage of those things. But more importantly, you need to be able to sit at the feet of Jesus. That's where your true food is going to come from. Jesus has a lot to say to you, and you need to put yourself in a position to hear. Okay, S is our last letter, and S is servant. With the world views promotion as moving up. The church views promotion as moving down. What we want to do is to serve Lord's people, especially those who aren't able to serve, to give us anything in return. Stand ready. You're going to be called. My team at Living Hope, my team is not unique. We haven't all got it together. <laughs> Some of us don't have anything together. Maybe anyone. <laughs> but we're living life together. We believe that the kingdom is greater than any offense, real or imagined. Love is a choice. We're committed to, our, to the cause of Christ and to our leader. We have signed on the proverbial dotted line. And that's what you need to be thinking about too. Let me tell you, I love you, dear friends, and I pray that you will choose wisely after you have count, counted the cost. Miss you, Karen. She's, she's a jewel. She, we've been friends and serving together for 22 years now, at least, I think. And, you know, that's what, when you make this kind of, I love what she said about how easily people walk away from covenantal relationships nowadays and, and how she has made it her mind up that unless God tells her and she is released properly from her local church, she's not going anywhere. And I mean, I, I love that heart. I love that mindset. So many heartaches are avoided when you think like that. But um, Isaiah 61. Darling, can you hand me my Bible there? I left it there. That has always kind of been a template for ministry to me. Isaiah 61, 1 through 4. And um, the, the teaching that she talked about trees comes from that section of the word. I'm just going to read the first four verses. I have the last section on there, but I'm going to read the first beginning of it too. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. And that was about Jesus, but it's also about us. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives, freedom to prisoners, proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those in, who mourn in Zion, giving them gladness instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, mourning the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. How many of us have had that happen to us? How many of us had, have received Isaiah 61, 1 through 3 in our own personal lives? Anybody? I would say all of us. I have been a recipient more than I can tell you of having my broken heart bound up, of being set free from things, of receiving joy instead of mourning, 
ashes instead of, or beauty instead of ashes. I have a big picture on my wall that says beauty for ashes because that's my life story. Still happening day to day. But God's heart during this process culminates in verses 3 and 4. And it says, so they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, so that he may be glorified. Then they will rebuild ancient ruins, raise up former devastations, and repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. So that's what we're called to. We're called to do the repairing, the fixing of walls that are torn down and people's lives that are a mess and disastrous. After we've received all this stuff, which we have, right? I mean, I surely have. Now it's time for us to be the father in the story, the one who does this. And if you, there's a picture of an oak tree here, and, and this is what I think of. He says, you're oaks of righteousness. That's a, oaks are a symbol of strength. They're noted for their character and their appearance. They have few pest and disease problems. They have a long lifespan. They're very broad spreading and they offer shelter and abundance of shade. You know, that's what we're supposed to look like. Those beautiful oak trees, strong. Doesn't mean we still, I mean, like I said, I live desperate and I'm not ashamed of that. But, but there's also something in our spirit that's big inside. That we're, we're a place where other people can find shade and shelter because we're a strong oak tree, even with our weaknesses. That's who we are. So I'm going to break down this, this trees a little bit. T means teachable. And you know, if you ever want to be a good leader, you have to maintain a posture in your life of being open, vulnerable, and humble. And there are often times as Christians, we feel this need to present a posture or a persona about who we are that is without weakness. And I'm just telling you, I'm frail. We're frail. We have weakness. And we were not created to do it alone. We are created to have people in our lives that come alongside us and help us. But to do that, you have to be vulnerable. You have to be willing to be vulnerable. Many people hate that. They hate the idea of vulnerable. I, like I said, I've become very comfortable with it. I'm okay with people seeing the weak sides of me, you know, of seeing that I have issues, that I have struggles in our life. But if you want to lead well, you have to have gone through that and continue to go through it. I haven't finished going through that. It's not like I still don't ever need help or I still don't need to lean on someone or I still don't need to confess my sins to one another that the Bible says. We need that. We need to be open-hearted, to be real. We can't be touchy. We can't be like if someone in your life that's a leader or even a friend comes to you and says, hey, you know, have you considered this? This might be an issue. If we're all touchy and say, excuse me, like, what gives you the right to say that to me? Or if we act like we're okay with it and secretly go and are all annoyed that they dare to speak to us like that, that is not in the making of a leader. That's not in the handbook. We can't be touchy. We can't afford to be all touchy and not able to be corrected. We have to willing, be willing to go there and be corrected. We have to learn 
to trust one another again. Um, there have been people that have been burned and hurt and even hurt in church situations, am I right? Have been betrayed, have been talked about. Some of the people sometimes that you've loved the most and poured into the most have betrayed us. That, we can't stop being a trusting person because of that. We can't put up the walls in our heart and say, you know what, I'm not going there anymore. I don't really like people that much. I don't really want to go there. I, I tell the story of a friend of ours who had um, made up her mind at, at a young age in her 20s that most everybody in her life she had written off in her heart. She put a mental check mark beside their name and said, you know what, I'm not open to them at all anymore. They'll never know it because I am funny, I am loud, I, am, I compliment them, but in my heart, nah. I, I, they're, they're like here. And she said, this, she was like 22 or 23, she said, I, I have two people that are not on that list. Everybody else is checked off. And you know what, no matter what you've been through, Keith and I have been through some stuff. Has our church been through some stuff? Have we had people that we loved very much we've been hurt by? I've been through some stuff in my marriage and in my family life that has been very hard that could make you want to shut down and walk away and guard yourself and protect yourself. But if you want to be that dad in that picture, we got to go after that and say, I'm not, I'm not going to be that person. I will not shut my heart off. No matter what my role is, no matter where I am in the body of Christ, I refuse to be that person. We heard from, at the Pastor's Wise Things, we heard from Chrissy the other day, and she's been through some very, very hard things in the last few years. But she fought the fight. She went after it, and she said, you know what? I'm going to spill, first of all, she spilled her guts out. She was very vulnerable. She said she had 10 pages of stuff that she talked to Keith about, about stuff that she was feeling, anger, frustration, distrust, she was vulnerable, she was real, and she let it out there, and she got healed because of it. You can't get healed if you're all bottled up inside and you're not willing to be real and vulnerable. You won't get healed. The more you are an open book, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying go blab all our stuff to everybody, on, you know, everybody. Like, Do you want to hear about this? You want to hear about my weakness here? You want to hear what I did last week? You want to know what I did? It's not what I mean, Okay. <laughs> But there are people in your lives, trusted people, that you know are not just going to be the yes man and go, yeah, I can't believe they did that to you. You are so wonderful. You don't deserve that. And you probably are wonderful, and you probably don't deserve that. But you need someone that will direct you in the right way. We actually had a policy amongst ourselves in the church that... Um, if someone would come to us and they were frustrated or hurt with somebody in the church, whether it was a leader or somebody else, we wouldn't just say, no, 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 I don't want to hear you, I don't want to hear you, I don't want to hear you. We would say, okay. And I would often sit down and let them vent. And then I'd say, now, what do you think we should do about that? And then we would say, all right, how about let's do this? If this is something you need to work out in your own heart and it's petty, you probably ought to do that. But if you need to go to that person... How about you pray and get a really good attitude, and in three days, I'll check back with you and see if you did that. Because we determined that we were going to be real with one another. We were not going to be touchy. We were not going to harbor hurt. We were not going to have the walls up. We were not going to have a church of gossip and pettiness, and we were going to go after those things. And we were going to have integrity with one another. 
there's going to be a safe zone in our church, okay? If your leader can't speak into your life or even challenge you or correct you, something is amiss. You should invite them to have an open door. Say, you know what? I know, who was at the top? Oh, Carol Catalanato. Don Catalanato told me um, that she told people, you know, just Rick Paladin's motto, tell me the last 10%. Tell me the things that no one else will tell me that I need to hear. I give you access. I give you permission. The things that people wouldn't want to say to me because they don't want to hurt my feelings, go for it. Give someone that kind of access in your life, someone with strength, someone that is, they'll tell you the truth. They'll be real with you. Um, Don't, the other thing about teachable and vulnerable, we don't have to have our own ministry. Always know this. When you're coming alongside a leader or a pastor, a pastor's wife in a church, your objective is not to develop your own ministry, your own little spot in the sun. It's to come alongside and be part of the vision of the church be part of the, the whole big picture. It's not so that this gifting in me could finally do its thing and be recognized. You know, it's, it's part of the big picture. And it needs to go through the right channels and be done the right way. Yes, you do have giftings in you. And you do have the ability to lead. And you, do, you are anointed and you are called of God to be Isaiah 61 with people. But do it the right way. Do it connected to the right people in your life and in, under the right channels of authority. Don't be all about, I'm, I'm going to do my thing because I am God's anointed. And I'm going to do my thing wherever I can because I am the chosen one. <laughs> you know? I'm here. Stay connected. Stay in delegate. You know, for, for me, when I was leading in local churches, I was under delegated authority. Keith was in charge and the group of elders and leaders in our church. And everything I did, I ran by them. I processed with them. I I belabored. Poor Keith, I used to pester him all the time. Okay, can you meet with me for an hour again? I was always badgering him to go over whatever idea or whatever thing was cooking in my heart that I wanted to see instituted in the women in the church. And I was always like, okay, good, good, I got this great idea, you know. Stay under that place of authority where it's done right and where it can be blessed and blossom and fruitful, okay? Um, Even if we're older than another person who's in leadership, or maybe even wiser in some ways, be willing to be taught. There was a woman in our group, our team, Patty Anderson. She was, what, what, 15, 20 years older than me? Probably a lot wiser than me. But you know what? She came under my leadership. She didn't have to. She chose to. She just made that decision that she was going to walk under that authority. And she was incredibly wonderful. And you know what? Sometimes I had to challenge her on things. And she, she took it well. She handled it well. Uh, unwilling to give in to offense or arrogance. Can't go there. Next, restored or real. We talked about this already a good bit. So be willing to face our frailties. Let someone touch the pain and raw spots in our lives. Oftentimes, we need to be healed. We need to be healed. And I'm just telling you, tonight even, like I said, I am believing God that people are going to be healed of some things. I really believe that. But you know what? You may need to tell someone after that. You may need to go to someone and say, you know what? I just let go of this unforgiveness toward so-and-so. 
you know, you may not necessarily have to go to a person that you've been harboring unforgiveness about if they don't really know about it and you haven't acted mean to them. <laughs> it might just make them more... I, I had a woman one time that went to somebody in our church and she said, you know, I, for the last year, I, I couldn't stand you. <laughs> and the woman's like, oh, I didn't know, sorry. <laughs> she said, no, I never liked you. I never liked your personality. I didn't like anything about you, but I forgave you today. <laughs> Appreciate that. <laughs> Didn't really need to know. <laughs> but if, on the other hand, you've been cold-shouldering someone or you've been cutting them out of your life or, you know, or even harsh to them or whatever, you may need to follow through <laughs> with corresponding actions, you know. But tonight, whatever God does in your life, be accountable with it. Be vulnerable with it. Be real with it. Start Start being like, I, I used the word last night, naked, which obviously I don't want to go around naked. That's not on my to-do list, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> not planning that. Marion, I am not wearing that apron. I'm sorry. <laughs> not happening. Do you have a full cover apron at all? <laughs> like a great big one. I'm not doing the apron. <clears throat> but naked as far as our heart. And... <laughs> Our, our issues, our weaknesses, you know, naked with the right people. Be real. Be naked with God, first and foremost. God knows. He knows I'm desperate. He's good with it. I think Joe Warner, one time he prophesied over me, he said, um, God sees you and he knows that you're absolutely desperate and needy for him in every situation. And he likes that about you. He knows you don't got the goods. So... Whatever God does in your life today, journal it, talk to your family about it, talk to your pastor or pastor's wife about it, talk to, your, you know, whoever. Be, be real, be vulnerable, share it. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Psalm 147.3, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Next is established. Karen touched on this. I love what she said. That means to be permanent and immovable, to be solid and covenantal. That is not a... a majorly prevalent trait in today's society and even in a lot of churches. I know Brother Rod one time, many times he's done this, he showed his church directory from, I don't know, at that point in time, it had been several years ago, and out of the hundred and some pictures, it was a picture directory, probably, what, three quarters of them were crossed out? Maybe more because they had left the church in the last couple of years. These were people that he thought were covenant, that were in for the long haul, that were walking arm in arm, side by side. But some kind of offense, some kind of gossip that someone else told them that they bought into. You know, people sometimes are so willing to hear gossip and to take on a secondhand offense. They won't even, this happened to us sometimes. They never even came to us to, to hear like our heart or our side of the story. They heard it from somebody, therefore it must be true. They heard that, you know, so-and-so handled this person really wrong and, and they were harsh or they did this or they whatever, and they buy into that without even going to the person. That's not biblical. That's not Matthew 8 principle. That's not what we're supposed to do. We're not just supposed to take that and run with it. We're supposed to have integrity and go to the person. I have learned to do that. It is not fun initially, especially like when I first started learning when somebody offended me that if it was something I couldn't get over, I'm, I'm going to them. I would go to them. I'd say, look, you know, you mean too much to me to let this go. I love you too much. So what you said really offended me. 
and here's what it was, and, and I just need to bring it to you. We need to do that. We need to stay covenantal and permanent. We have to deal with issues in our life. We can't just shove them down and pretend like we're ignoring them when really we're not. We have to go after wholeness in our relationships, rightness in our relationships, solidity, the things that enable us to stay covenantal and not cut and run, okay? Offense within the church is very destructive. We are the ones that should be able to handle gossip that other people have in their hearts and bring resolution to it. You should be the wise one that says, okay, well, tell me about it. Well, what's, what's the issue? Why are you struggling there? Why are you angry at them? Okay, well, let's, let's get a solution. We should be the ones that do that, okay? That's what we need to aspire to. If you don't know how to do that, get somebody to teach you how to do that because that needs to be our DNA. Sometimes we feel like it's rude to speak up or bring clarity when somebody is just, you know, we think, it, we think it's the polite thing to just go, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, yeah, mm, oh, I understand, yes, true, true. Yeah, I've seen them do that before, too. <laughs> we think we're being such a nice, sweet, little, empathetic person. But the Bible in Proverbs 3, 3, and 4 says, do not let kindness and truth leave you. They go together. Heck yeah, you got to be kind. You can't be like, well, shut up. What do you think you are gossiping like that? <laughs> Unfortunately, I've done that before. <laughs> I think I put this in the book. There's a lady one time that Keith and I were trying to help a family in the church, and she hadn't been coming to our church very long, but she started telling a bunch of people that what we did was not appropriate and it was wrong and we were we handled it really wrong and stuff so somebody came up to me and said this lady's really gossiping about you to everyone you and Keith so I just made my way to her after church I'm there excuse me I heard you're going around gossiping to everybody about how we helped this family we don't do gossip in our church so you're done you know what I mean no more gossip people aren't going to listen to you so you're done and I'm like boy that was good I am fire. You know what I mean? Boy, am I bold and brave. So I got home. It was a Sunday afternoon. I'm sitting there. I'm like, what did I just do? (laughs) There was no kindness in there whatsoever. It was all just truth. (laughs) So I called the lady up. And I just said, you know what? That was really wrong. That was very arrogant of me. And you know what? I'm really sorry because that's not... That's not the right way to handle it. I said, no, don't get me wrong. We don't do gossip at our church. But I should never have said that to you that way. And so, yeah, we don't go, like, with just truth. We go with kindness, too. But we need to be truth tellers. We need to be people that have enough backbone to say, you know what, let let me speak into that a moment. But there's a verse in the Bible, I don't know where it is, but it says, exhort one another while it's still day well, we can still have that opportunity. Exhort. Well, it's okay to exhort one another in the right way, to call each other up to a higher standard. That's okay. We help people do the right thing. You know, Karen, who was on the video, one of my favorite things that she ever said was, one time we were going through a church split. I guess it had just happened and a lot of chaos or whatever. And, and these guys were like rocks. You know, they were just, they were just so wonderful. And, and other people in, in our church as well. And one day I just saw Karen, it was a Sunday, I said, what? what would I ever do without you? And she said, that's something you'll never have to find out. And she was right, she meant it. 
And that's what covenant looks like. That's what it means to be established. You hold fast. You value relationships. They're not expendable. <clears throat> your church dynamic that you've built, your family, a church, it's not expendable. It's not cast away like, you know what? Had enough of them. I, they're, they're trouble. They, they're getting on my nerves. I'm out of here. No, we, we're different. We're a different breed. We know what covenant looks like. We know what it means to be established. We know what it means to hold on in relationships and not run away, right? <clears throat> Equipped. Um, one example I like to use, a lot of people are familiar with this in this church, Chick-fil-A. They are taught the vision of Chick-fil-A and how to be a part of it. Everyone has the same mindset, the same purpose, and the same required behavior. Do you ever go into a Chick-fil-A and they go, here, you know, here's your food. Do they ever yell at you? Do they ever scowl at you? Do they ever make you feel like they're doing you a big favor by giving you their food? No, they're like, oh, you're so, what was it? My pleasure. It's my pleasure. Do you think that happened because they were all just nice people? Everybody that applies there is just really nice. They all have really good manners, right? Am I right, Katie? Is that how it works? <laughs> no. They're taught that, right? It's like a thing. You're not allowed to not be like that. What if your pastor and pastor's wife or your leader said, you have to be like this. I'm sorry. You're not allowed to be rude or overbearing or gossipy. How, how would we handle that? What if they said, like they do at Chick-fil-A, you're not allowed. You have to. Let me read this Bible verse to you. Philippians 2. One through two. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by what? Being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. That does not happen just because you jam a bunch of Christians in a room. It doesn't. It happens because there's leadership, there's a requirement on people's lives, just like at Chick-fil-A. It's not anything goes, do your own thing, have fun with your job, make it your own. You know, this is about you, employees of Chick-fil-A. It's about you. Be your personality. If you're mean, be mean. If you want to gossip about each other and be rude, if you want to, like, throw the food at the people, go ahead. No, there's one mind, one heart, one spirit, one purpose. And that's what the church is supposed to look like. Not everybody doing their own thing. Not everybody disgruntled and frustrated at each other at the drop of a hat and saying little snide comments about it. It's not Sunday morning. I've seen people where it's just like people get, they pick apart their fellow church members after Sunday service. You see what she had on. And you believe she acted that way. Ooh, did you see that person on the worship team? I didn't like the way they did that song. That was, ooh. I don't know, Pastor Ron, I don't know if I really agreed with him on that. You know, he wasn't up to par today. You know, I, seriously. We need to get beyond that. You know what I mean? We need to go after the one mind, one spirit, one love, one purpose. That's what leadership looks like, right? It doesn't look like, hey, you know, come up on a Sunday morning and you're officially a whatever. It means I, f I follow these principles. Yes, it'll probably be re recognized in some way or another, but it's about this, okay? 
Um, let's see. Not in spirit. It's okay to ask for clarification, even to be mentored by those within your church that you recognize as leaders. However, I wrote a note here. If you're in a large church, the pastor or pastor's wife cannot personally mentor every person in the church. Could you imagine Marion trying to mentor personally every woman in this church? Wouldn't go too well. But there are, in most churches, either small group leaders or others that can play a significant role and can come alongside and help you if you're at a loss and you don't know how to do these things. And you're like, I don't, I don't know how to be like this. Find somebody that can help you. And then last is servant. This spirit should infiltrate and permeate us and be imparted to every other woman or person in the body. Caring for others. I wrote here, my team's had a lot of jobs and practical tasks that were for the functioning of the body and helping others. They served really well. And they did. I mean, they were asked to do a lot. Sometimes I look back on what I required of them as learning to be leaders, and it scares me. I think, well, I was like crazy. I was such a drill surgeon. I said, okay, here's the deal. I met with them, and I said, okay, for the next year, we're going to meet every Sunday for an hour and a half, and I'm going to train you to be good leaders. So every Sunday from, I think it was like 3 to 4.30, we came together. That didn't count school of leaders classes, encounters, women's meetings, church services. Oh, what, what were we thinking? <laughs> but, I mean, they, they really served. Now, I'm telling you, it paid off because they are incredible leaders. They are established. They are sound. They set the DNA. So it paid off, but it was hard, and it required a lot of service. And my last statement here is a well-trained group of women who are ready and willing to lead in any and every area they are called upon is like glue within the church, incredibly powerful. Keith used to call us the glue in the church. He said, you know, it's true that oftentimes women struggle relationally and they get annoyed easily at one another. We can tend toward gossip, and I don't like to categorize women necessarily, but it can happen. And when you're strong and you're, you're really sound and you know these principles, it's like a glue that holds the church together from schisms and splits and dissension and all that kind of thing. So you have within this room right here the potential to set such a powerful foundation in the bodies of, that you're affiliated with. So go after that. You know, go after it. Go after leadership and what it looks like here. And then if you want to be more specific about, okay, you know, maybe I have something in my heart that I'd like to do. Find someone that you can go to, a leader in your church, and say, you know, what do you think about this? Do you see this as, as, as something that I could walk out or be used in or whatever? Find where you need to serve, where you need to fit, and go after it. But work mostly on these character traits. Because that's what it means to be a leader, to live that out. So I want to take, okay, let's see, it's 2.30, we started. I want to take a few minutes for anybody that has a question that they need clarification on. You could ask me, or you could even ask those two. You never know what they might say, I don't know. Kind of rowdy, those two. We had so much fun together, though. I mean, we didn't just work. We, we went on beach vacations. We went, we did all, we had pajama parties. We did all kinds of stuff. It was fun. It was hard work, but it was fun. 
Anybody have any questions? Yes, my dear. Elise. I think you got to kind of be led by the spirit. I know, like, when our church split happened, there were a lot of people that were real angry at us and, you know, struggling. And I was angry myself for a long time. I, I actually wrote letters to about 15 people telling them what I really thought of them. <laughs> then I burned them. I didn't really send them. Let me just put it this way. The lady that I did send one to fell on the floor bawling when she read it. So that's how much it, like, you know, because I was really like telling them this. she did come back to the church and we're still great friends today, but um, so a lot of those people as I processed through things and I, I was healed, you know what I mean, how you've been walking through things and I tried to like reach out to them many of them like didn't really want I asked several of them if they'd go out to lunch but they said no, you know some, like the one lady I saw her in it was actually Walmart and I'm like oh, there's Diane, and I took my cart, and she saw me, and she's, like, trying to get away, <laughs> and I just followed her, I followed her, and finally, I said, hi, Diane, how are you, and she's like, oh, hi, you know, and I just kind of had her trapped, and I ended up talking to her for a little bit, and I gave her a hug and told her I loved her, we didn't see, we haven't seen each other since, I just saw her at, at Sue's funeral, which would have been, like, maybe 10 years later, but, I mean, to me, I can think of two people that I did not do that with, that I did not follow through, and, and both of them died. One died in her 30s before I got a chance to say something to her. And um, then I'm trying to think of the other person I just thought of recently, and they also passed away. But in so much as it's in your power, you know, you can't force people to have a relationship with you. You can't force them to forgive you. You can't force things to be restored at all. And sometimes they don't need to be restored. But what's in your power to do and what makes you know that your conscience is clear and you've done what you feel is right, that's the best you can do. You're welcome. Yes. And you pray harder for them, she says. It's true. We just pray for their, you know, in that whole forgiveness thing, just really pray faith, blessing and release over their lives. I had to do that. After, after I wrote the letters and then after I burned them, then honestly, my journal said, okay, now Diane, Father, I just make a decision of my will. I just forgive her for this, 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 and this, and this is what she said, and I release her, and I bless her future in Jesus' name. I mean, and I had to do that with every single one of those people. So, do your due diligence, and then, anybody else? Yes, my love. I forced them. She said I was a the hall of pain, you know. She said, how did you cultivate unity in that team? Well, you know that whole verse about of the same mindset? We, we talked about that a lot. And not just with this group, with other women in the church as well. We, we taught that and said, this is our goal. This is our objective. And we, we role-played how to handle gossip. We would have them say, okay, you're so-and-so and you're so-and-so. 
Now you get up and complain about somebody. Now how are you going to handle it? We actually role played how to deal with disunity and gossip. What are you going to say? <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Sometimes we would get upset, right? But we had a, such a good relationship. Did it just start out that way, or did you do something to call I don't know. Was I, we were just hungry, but, but Miss Penny, I mean, who doesn't right. love Miss Penny? <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, like, there's something special. Yeah, and we were together all the time, so... That, that's all I was going to say. We just did life together all the time. And we were together so many times. Very intentional. It did not just fall out of heaven and hit us on the head. I promise you that. We were very intentional. That's why I made them meet every week and just went over these principles, practiced, taught how to counsel people, taught how to um, deal with gossip, taught how to deal with things against the pastor, you know, just process through every possible scenario that would create disunity. And made each of us come to each other too. Like, we would come to each other, you know, when there was an issue. Right? Lynn and I had a few moments. <laughs> didn't we, Lynn? But we, you know, it didn't take long. I mean, we processed it through that same day. One time, I threw water on her shirt and she got mad at me. She actually started crying, but <laughs> it was a church picnic. People were throwing water. I threw water and she started crying. <coughs> what? I was laughing. She was crying and I was laughing. I'm sorry. I thought it was really funny. So I could tell so many stories. You would be, you would be amazed at the stories. Carol, you should hear the stories. Can I just tell you one funny story? Okay, Lynn is into health food. She says, you always have to tell this story. She's into health food. She's actually, initially, I don't know if you still are into magnets, but she was into magnets being like drawing the whatever out of you or whatever. So, I, increasing your blood flow, okay, these magnets. So, I didn't know Lynn at all. You'll appreciate this, Paula. <laughs> I didn't know Lynn at all. And we go out to lunch at this local restaurant where I live, and I was telling her about that I have this issue with sinuses or whatever. So she's, we're sitting there, and she pulls out these magnet balls. And she goes behind me and starts, she did this, watch, over my head. I'm like, who is this person? She was magnetizing my head in the middle of the restaurant. <laughs> and amazingly, we are still friends. Ma <laughs> there were many such incidents. Now, Darlene, she never got in trouble. <laughs> she was always good. Carol, you got anything to say? <laughs> Any, anybody else? Any pastor's wives want to throw something in there? Mary, anybody? Go ahead, Lauren Skies. I just didn't. <laughs> Go ahead, darling. 
going to answer it. You have to answer it, Dar. Penny warned us right at the outset. She said, if you want to be a servant, it's going to cost you time, money, and effort. So you think hard about whether or not you want to do this. That's true. She said, how did you not feel guilty requiring so much of them? And I did have, like, in the different, I had more than just this. I, I had a youth leadership team as well. Natalie was on that team. And um, I said to them at the onset, okay, we're going to have a reveal meeting here, and I'm going to tell you what this is going to look like. And it was like, whoa. And I said, this is the first year. These are everything we're going to cover, and this is what it's going to require of you. So now take two weeks. Talk to God. Talk to your husband. Talk to your kids. Find out if you want to do this. If you don't, you're fine. It's, you're released. No problem. Not mad at you. And see if you want to. And 22 of them said, they all came back and said yes. And they were all committed to that. I did the same with the youth. I followed the same principles with the youth. I think I had like 17 youth leaders at the time required the same kind of thing of them. They had to be accountable about their behaviors at home. I had made them take a sheet home every week to see if they were being kind to their parents and helping out at home and all that. Like, it was a lot. But you know what? They honestly rose to the occasion. It was pretty amazing. Because I find out if you really give people a vision and something to go after and to really be a part of and to really make an impact, they want to. They're all in. They, they want to buy in. And it really did pay off. Yes, ma'am. Not necessarily. No, every church is different. And I think every church needs to go with the flow of what God's put on their hearts. But nonetheless, I think... People should learn to be leaders, however that looks like. Whatever that format is in your church, people should learn how to lead well. They should learn how to have integrity. And not just from the sermons on Sunday, but they, they should learn, you know, this is what it looks like to really stand alongside the pastor and his wife or, or your leader in this area or on the worship team. Like there should be standards for the worship team of how we act, how we relate to each other, how we treat each other. Whatever your dynamic is that works for you in your church. And, you know, Paula does things a little bit differently, but they have leadership groups that they work with and that pour into and share principles with. And, no, every, every church is different. I don't know. I was some kind of crazy drill. Now, I think it was Natalie said to me one time, I feel like you and Dad had brain transplants. Because you've turned into Keith. She said, she thought Keith and I had brain. She said, because you've turned into Dad and he's turned into you. He's all like, sure, real nice. And you're like, no, be there. You're going to be there. Uh, <laughs> no missing, no matter what. <laughs> she said, what happened to you? I said, I don't know. Take it over by a vision. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Yeah.
You're right. Rick Paladin calls it get out of jail free card. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. It is. Yeah. You've done everything you know to do. Yeah. Yeah, but you've known what you knew. To, you did what you know to do. Anybody else? Question? We have a couple more minutes. <clears throat> Natalie will say something. Natalie loves to speak publicly. Natalie. Oh, the one, the one Lauren said, how'd you not feel guilty? Natalie goes, she has a gift to ask anybody for anything. <laughs> so we've been teasing Natalie about being my personal servant while she's on this trip. Okay. Life in general. Okay. Okay, we got Courtney and then one more person. Go ahead, Courtney. Right. 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 Well, thank you. I appreciate that. That's the equity process. And thankfully, we chose leaders to follow us that have the same heart. So the walk in great love and compassion and, and care for the people. So they're very like-minded, like like-spirited. So... Yes. Um, we're church planting in Cambodia, so it's an unreached nation. So oh, wow. You know what, I can remember, this was, I, I have a lot of my notes from back in the day, and the very first lesson I did with them was the, I took the word established. I looked it up, and I gave them the definition, meaning like set for a sense of permanence, and talked to them about why that was important, about what covenant looked like. What does covenant mean? Where is it at in the Bible? Why do we have to be covenantal? Why does it even matter? Like we started with that from the the start. That was our first lesson. So what does it mean to be established? Why, why does it matter? Why, why can't we just go to whatever church we want, whatever we want? Why can't we flit around from here to there and whatever? What, why? What difference does it make? As long as we enjoy a service, what, what, why do we have to be established in a church? Taught them all about why that matters and why that's biblical and, and what the Lord is looking for. You know, he plants us in the body as he sees fit, you know, as, as where we belong. Yes, ma'am. Right. Right.
Okay, well, let me think. Well, it depends on, like, what kind of group you're looking at and how big and, what, you know, what your discernment's telling you. I probably tend to pretty much to give my information out to almost everybody. I'm sorry, I just did. And then that doesn't mean like I didn't go, oh, sure, I'll meet with you for however many hours. Oh, yeah, sure, I'll do whatever, you know. I made decisions based on who I felt I was supposed to sow into and pour into at that time. Often, like as a matter of fact, when I first started working with some leaders, there were 22 of us that was too big of a group to maintain. So I took 10 of those and put them alongside some of the other people. So you have to figure out, okay, who am I called to, to, to pour into? And, you know, again, that... I think you want to coincide with your leaders in your church about how to do that and who those people should be. And that, don't just be a lone ranger. But, um, I mean, I don't know. That's a, that's a tricky... You could say, why don't you give me your phone number and I will try to get in touch with you and figure out a way to have someone speak with you or whatever. If it's someone that's looking for help or whatever... You know, to me, I feel like I was open to be friends with everyone in the church, but my definition of friendship is quite different than what a lot of people's would be. And to me, we're going to the mall at once a week. We're going, hanging out and having coffee all the time. We're just chilling. We're chatting on the, that's not what friendship looks like to me. Friendship is a heart-to-heart relationship where my heart is open to your heart. We are purposeful in our times together. We don't just flit around and neglect our homes and it is just so we can have all these friends. We don't share our personal information with everybody. We don't talk about our husbands to people or our kids, you know. Friendship is a, is a heart connection to me. And so you have to, like, determine, okay, is this someone, just get their number and say, you know, I'll try to figure out a way to either you get with them or get somebody else to get with them or something maybe if they're really needing help. That's a little tricky. Okay, we got four more minutes. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. One of the biggest things to me is that they really can trust you. Like that you're really trustworthy. Like in my book, honestly in my book are the characteristics of <laughs> of what it means to be to build equity because like one of the things in there is loyal and it talks all about what it means to be loyal that you don't that that person knows when they come to you you're not going to go to the person next to them guess what so so just told me like i just got the scoop you know like they know that when they come to you you're a rock you're you're a refuge you're a place that's safe you are going to love them from a pure heart. And that's, to me, a major thing. Like the, some of the other things in my book are you be, you're embracing, you're warm with people. They know you like them. You don't just tolerate them. When they're talking to you, you look them in the eye and you actually aren't like, oh, yeah, okay, mm-hmm, 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 what? Yeah, no, you look them in the eye and you actually hear what they're saying. You know, there's a lot of things like that. And again, they're almost all in the book. It's about how to really love like Jesus did. And we're all in that process. I'm still in that process. But, you know, to really be a true friend to people, to really be a lover of people that they trust and that they feel safe with. And when they, like, for instance, like these guys, they, we had that. We developed that relationship. And we were already friends before we started this. So, 
they were willing to buy in partly because of that. You know what I mean? Because of the relationship that was established. That's why Natalie serves me all the time, because we have such a great relationship. And she loves it. Right, Nat? <laughs> One more question. Yes, ma'am. Sure. Good, good idea. Right. Yes. You're right. You're right. Good advice. Good answer. Like these guys, most of them, when I was even working with them, they would ultimately become life group leaders. So then they, I called them pastoral assistants because they actually did a lot of that type of work within the church. They took care of a lot of people's practical needs, counseling, you know, personal care for people. So it took a lot of, it spread the responsibility well among other people. So it wasn't me answering everybody or, you know, whatever. So thank you guys. It was so great to spend time with you. Thank you. Appreciate your patience and you're willing to give up your afternoon. See you tonight. Be there or be square. <laughs>